Pam and Tommy is a new show on Hulu. It stars Lily James and Sebastian Stan. It's released three episodes. I watched them all and I'm ready to talk about the good and the bad. What did you know about Pamela Anderson from the 90s? That she was on Baywatch. She was the sex symbol of the 90s. And Tommy Lee was a, I guess, downtrending uh, drummer for Motley Crue. And they dated. Yeah, the only thing I knew about Molly Crew was like a 1985, the 1985 song from Bowling for Soup. They mentioned it like that band for one second. But yeah, I knew they were a rock band. Yeah, that's And Pamela Anderson was a little before my time. I remember her from Borat. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I remember people making a joke about her on Baywatch along with Hasselhoff and stuff. But I did not expect this show to be what it was. Because when I saw Pam and Tommy and I saw like the quick ad for it, I thought it was all Sebastian Stan and Lily James. I had no idea Seth Rogen was in the show. Well, I believe that it's supposed to be uh, like on a different character each time, right? No, the first episode is about Seth, Seth Rogen like completely. Right. The second episode is about how Lily James and Sebastian Stan like meet each other, Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. And then the third episode is kind of a mix of both. So they so they basically introduce you to both characters and then how do you how know the, do you mean? know the story like I know you did the research but do you know the story here because I can only jump into only it. from the research side but go go into the show the as a whole is good right okay most yeah. of the stuff most of the plot is good so I'm gonna go into that and then I'll talk about the bad later but the first thing when I saw Seth Rogen there I was like okay he's there for the first few minutes he ended up being there the entire episode he plays Rand the unfortunate carpenter who is working on Tommy's love pad <laughs> <laughs> so. He's in uh, Malibu, and he's got this new, like, uh, bedroom setup that he wants to work on. And upstairs, they're fucking the entire time, Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson. And Seth Rogen and his team are stuck having to just build, build, build. And the problem is that Sebastian Stan keeps telling him he's screwing up or that he wants to change his plans. First, he wants to move the bed, which has already been pre-installed. Then he wants to change it to a waterbed. It's, and then he finally calls them just shoddy work and he fires them without paying them a dime. All that, all that's true. Lee demanded like a koi pond, a 20-foot mural of heaven and hell and an elevator shaft. And Religion is an undercurrent to this show. Like, when you like, say mural to he heaven and hell, he's yeah, a Buddhist. Right. And Rand has like all these different religions that he likes to just study on his off time. He's a weird dude. So like the more you watch the show at first, it's like he's a complete victim. And then as it goes on, he becomes almost less sympathetic. So you feel bad for him at first, but then he turns into... He, no, he doesn't turn like completely evil or anything, but it's just like you, you, you learn more about him and you're just like, okay, well, this guy, you don't want to get on the wrong side of him. Right. <laughs> just talking about Rogan, it's production company help would produce the show. But. Yeah, I mean, Rogan looks a little different than you're normally used to seeing him in this. Like, it doesn't take you a second to realize it's him. It's clearly him. But he does have just like different hairstyle. He's more of a mullet. <laughs> and uh, it's, just, it's just strange. But everyone's a good actor here. Like, they're all throwing their everything into it like sebastian stan is he's way skinnier than i'm used to seeing him because yeah i mean he had to lose a lot of weight for that's it. what i thought both when of I, both lily james and him did and he like exercised pretty steadily for it yeah because i mean he's used to doing marvel movies and being like jacked for that mm -hmm. and then i see him in this and he's got tattoos everywhere but he's like almost uh, yeah, as i said skinny but he also has like a ton of like nude scenes that he has to do so it's it's very clear like they didn't cgi too much had you ever seen tommy lee before but you mean like in pictures yeah yeah i think so i just was, so it looked, but it looked like him though right i guess yeah for the most part the one person i had a problem with how they kind of made jay leno at the very beginning of the show they showed an excerpt from a 1996 interview but they did a fake jay leno and it was also obviously lily james but 
you can't fake Jay yeah. Leno. He clearly looked like a fake person. People, people and, pointed that and it out. It was really annoying. <laughs> I scoured YouTube trying to find the real interview, thinking maybe they could have just played that. I couldn't find that exact one. But Jay Leno apparently in the '90s was just obsessed with Pamela Anderson because he talked about her constantly. Oh yeah, no, yeah. And he had her on as a guest a bunch of times. And there was one interview, and in spe- specifically, I think it was in 1999, where they were showing a clip of her show, not Baywatch, but the one afterwards, and they. They were like, show the clip. And you know, back then, they didn't have like what we have today. Yeah, right. Did it not just go smoothly in? What? They had a giant fat body TV raised from a platform on the ground <laughs> behind them and come up and just like play a normal clip. It, it looked like it was a parody of itself, and it, but, but how it was how they used to do it. How were audiences? It just levitated up. It. it was like, and I was like, it's a huge TV. Like it was before flat screens and everything. Yeah. Anyways, so they showed that Jay Leno excerpt, and I was like, that's not Jay Leno. That was a bad. Everybody else's acting was great. So Sebastian Stan, he starts off as just eccentric. Like Tommy Lee is just kind of like, I want to change my plans. I'm like, okay, fine. This guy's a rock star. He can do whatever he wants. But then he just turns into a pure dick. Like he puts his gun, or he has plenty of guns, but he puts a ton of guns in Seth Rogen's face all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and I think, like, a, a altercation like that did happen. You're supposed to like Sebastian Stan at the beginning or Tommy Lee, and then it goes on. You're supposed to... You're supposed to yeah, once yeah. he calls their work shoddy, and the whole time he's been saying money's not an issue, and then he fires them without paying them, it's like, this guy has to pay, right? right. You you are completely on the side of Rogan when he starts to almost stalk the guy, methodically write down his entire schedule so that he can then break in with his partner, Lonnie, and they want to dress up as the dog which is a huge dog, but like they get these giant coats, like these uh, these white coats, to because the security cameras were really bad back that, that, then. That was played for last, though, right? Obviously. Yeah. yeah. So the, he dresses like the uh, dog, and uh, Lonnie butts out, okay? Lonnie doesn't want any part right. of it because he kind of realizes that Seth Rogen's going off the deep end mm-hmm. here. Um, he's like, I thought karma was going to handle this bitch. And he's like, Rand, Rand says, I am karma, and I'm a bitch. And so, like, that was my favorite line. <laughs> okay. So he goes in, and he's successful. He's able to steal Tommy's six-foot metal safe, a Fast and Furious style. He, like, literally just drags it out there, right. sticks it in his car, goes into the forest, and saws it open. And then at the very end of the episode, we meet Nick Offerman. He's a porn director who apparently Rand knows because of his alias Austin Moore, where he was in a few films. Um, and we learn the backstory on that later on. But... Nick Offerman has a way of playing this high eight tape because Tommy finds a bunch of, sorry, not Tommy, Rand finds a bunch of um, jewelry and the guns and a bunch of money in, in the safe, but he also finds that, that the, porn the tape. tape. Yeah. And so they play it, and the ending revelation is that that is a sex tape with Pamela Anderson, and they don't know what to do with it, but they're shocked by it. Um, another good thing about the episode is the soundtrack. Uh, they paid out the yin yang for this thing because the entire series just one hit after the other. And then also, which I point out, oh, the 90s references Radio Shack, McDonald's Coffee Incident, Frasier, Blockbuster, Nick Offerman, <laughs> who's always a joy, but in this, it like it's like he's one of those roles that he just fits in perfectly. He wants to open a chain called Cockbuster because of, and it's the same <laughs> as Blockbuster, but for porn. And then uh, the other bad stuff is that it was really risky bringing all this stuff to a pawn shop because he has to get rid of it somehow. But doing that just seems like you're asking for someone to catch you. And then he also stands in front of Tommy and uh, and Pamela when he's robbing them. Like he 
bothers going upstairs and just flicking them off while they're sleeping. And that also seemed a little extra dangerous yeah. and maybe just put in there because of dramatic consequences. In terms of the detail, I'm not really sure, but that is true. Rand did commit the heist on his own. Like the t- tools that I used to try and break open the safe and everything, mm-hmm. those were all accurate. And also uh, the Rolling Stones article, because this is based off a 2014 Rolling Stones article that came out. Uh, they described uh, Nick Offerman's character as an overweight pipe smoking cheapskate studio owner. Yeah, so that's what know. he is. He has a great line in episode three that I'll get to. But like, yeah, he's probably my... Man, they're all my favorite characters. I like the way, like, he, Tommy plays, or um, Sebastian Stan plays such a good asshole. <laughs> However, in the second episode, he was my favorite. So I would probably go Rand and then Nick Offerman and then Tommy. and But actually, Lily James, too. Oh, man, they're all great. I think that Uncle Milty, again, that's Nick Offerman's character. I think he, like, the actual guy worked on Deep Throat. So I think that, like, yeah. Oh, that like comes in later. The yeah, the Deep Throat yeah. con- connection comes in later. The first episode was called Drilling and Pounding, and that obviously has a double right. entendre. Um, and then this show is very similar right off the bat to the uh, Get Shorty um, TV show on Epic. And then also, or Epics, and then also there was a movie called Middlemen that came out uh, in 2009 or something that did the background to the porn industry and the first people who kind of jumped in there and provided a computer algorithm for it. And I remember watching it. It's the same sort of tone and comedy. Was it like The Deuce almost? I know The Deuce was. No, no, no. The Deuce is much more violent and like serious this was more of a of a comedy and it, it the way that they described events from the 90s just reminded me of this a little bit episode two i love you tommy this is where we find out why pamela anderson falls for tommy i keep on wanting to say why so but it's not okay and this was more what i expected i expected this to be almost the, the first episode and the fact that it wasn't you, you defied my expectations so that was good we're back in 1995 and it starts off as like an r-rated grease if that makes sense, because it's not like a full out musical, but you're in a nightclub and they're showing all the people and 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 uh, Lily James is dressed up sort of like that character, Sandra, whatever her face is. Right. It Sandra is. D, is that her name? In, in yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. So she's like, no more bad boys. I'm done with it. And her and her friends are all like cackling away. And then Tommy uh, sees her and then he walks over and licks her the face. And, then... and that is true. <laughs> that actually happened. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming most of this stuff is true. The only thing that made me sad was I saw a brief article that's that said that she wasn't um okay with this this recreation being made oh that's wait yeah you're you're jumping ahead because there's that that would make me really sad yeah there's there's a lot to that but but we'll yeah we'll talk about this episode first so anyways she immediately is like there's a magnetism between the two of them but she's like i won't date him i'm not into that but he starts to like go hard into her like he's like stalking her he's like i want to go to um where is it cancun with her or something and the red flags are there but there's nothing egregious enough for us to really blame pamela anderson Mm -hmm. in this moment for kind of liking him and then he hassles her into giving him his her number and then he kind of like calls around to all these different hotels because she's going to the ritz carlton in cancun to do this like conference where she's so just being paid a ton of money to show up because this is who she was right. she was a sex symbol she would go to like just random like tech conferences just as kind of a star appearance mm-hmm. and they would pay her a ton of money he follows her there with his like crew and he just walks into the ritz carlton with a white beater on and they ask him to leave because of the dress code and i like that guy because like screw tommy at that point <laughs> you can't just do that in a hotel like that so then he's like let's get out of here and they go to senior frogs which if you ever ever been to senior frogs this was a senior frogs 
Um, they had the yard glasses, they had everything, and then they also had ecstasy there where uh, they both took ecstasy. And then you get this weird montage where you see them hanging out in her hotel room and oh okay yeah you get just some weird stuff happening this isn't necessarily good firstly they you get full frontal sebastian stan a lot of it yeah producers <laughs> push full frontal scenes yes yeah, you, you got a lot of it and i'm assuming it wasn't a double <laughs> um and then you also had a talking jason manzoukas penis oh yeah no but the, but the penis <laughs> and nipples that that uh sebastian stan has are fake Okay, yeah. so they just, like, placed them on somehow? Well, yeah, what they did for the penis scene particularly is Oh, this they is had... what I want to hear, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, I have facts on it. I, okay, I mean, go like, ahead. Yeah, it I'm was sure talked talk... about. It's just funny that we did the previous show on the Kristen Bell thing, and in the fifth or sixth episode, there was this huge, like, amount of sex that happened that people weren't aware of, and they were like, I was watching it with my kids. And this show would put that one to shame because they do the same thing, but it's in the Ritz, and they're just all over the place having sex. Yeah, so, no, yeah. but they had, like, puppeteers, too. Two puppeteers were out of frame. Another <laughs> oh two had a remote control type type thing to like because they were wanting to make it authentic as possible. Oh yeah, because well, bit yeah, when he's talking, obviously there's a CG because the thing's moving along. Right, and it wasn't even Jason Manzuka said like they had a ton of actors' names, including Leonardo DiCaprio, that they were thinking about trying to get. To but voice his him. voice isn't as like notable. Like you, yeah. Jason, Jason Man- Manzoukas, you know immediately. Yeah, because uh, of, of Seth Rogen. Yeah, Seth Rogen. <laughs> no, that's that's what happened. Seth yeah. Rogen knew him from Big Mouth, so they decided to get him from that. Mm-hmm. And he, he works because he's kind of like the devil on your shoulder being like, you can't love her. There's so many other people out there. Again, 90s callbacks. You're this saying time it's through, not all good, but isn't this that time funny? Through, it was funny, but it was more weird. I'm not saying that that part was bad. The bad part was more the predictability of this episode because mm-hmm. it was a simple plot it was like party 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 shotgun wedding because they get married uh, and then like four days afterwards and huh? then about 30 minutes into the thing it finally starts doing things you don't expect which is like they get home and they're like oh we don't know anything about each other what type of movies do you like i like horror and that's right. who tommy is and then she really is into romance and musicals and so as the episode progresses, you even see at the end of the episode, they, they meet the construction crew again. It's like Seth Rogen and, okay. and Lonnie. But this is like their first time meeting from Sebastian Stan's point of view. You still don't feel very sympathetic for Tommy's character. However, the time when he's singing the the King and I musical scene, which leads into where the sex tape was made, was actually really well done because it's like it just seemed Did like remind you of the those play? two characters... No, they showed the play on TV, but they were kind of like Pamela Anderson was innocently like trying to sing it and Tommy was kind of making fun of her. But then he started getting into it because he loves her. And then they like just devolved. (laughs) 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 All right. So the bad stuff in it. Yeah, I said the predictability and then the couple like. How can you not know a thing? How many times do we need to hear about a shotgun wedding that doesn't work out, especially from a celebrity couple? (laughs) Okay, so this was a bigger thing in the 90s, I guess. And then at the very end of the episode, we're back at Seth Rogen and Dick Offerman watching the video and being like, holy shit, what do we have here? So it's like back to normal day at the very end. Well, it jumps around all over 1995. The only time we ever see 1996 is that Jay Leno interview where they've already dispersed the video. But then in the third episode, that's when you see some movement on that front. Okay. That one's called Jane Fonda, and we get both stories this time. It's a compilation of Rand and Nick Offerman getting rejected from almost every explicit adult video place right, that makes it because they don't... They knew it was illegal, right? They yeah, that, they didn't yeah. get those signed release forms. I don't know what they were <laughs> expecting. They were like, yeah, we're going to get sued. So they get laughed out the door from almost every agency there and they have a compilation of those. 
Rand then convinces Nick Offerman to use the internet because Rand has access to the internet and he's one of 30 million who do, which today's numbers looks ridiculous, but it reminds me of Halt and Catch Fire when I was watching that show. Um, and then the 90s references continue because you have Jerry Seinfeld showing up on Rolling Stone. Mm -hmm. And you said Rolling Stone was it's, part of this. It's based off a Rolling Stone article, yeah. Yeah, Yahoo and Alta Vista were mentioned, the World Wide Web. Uh, and then they also brought up the other celeb sex tapes that didn't make money, like Stallone and Brando and Rob Lowe at the time. Mm -hmm. But this also explains Randall's jump into the porn industry. Apparently, he had dated this girl named Erica a few years back. And this we get some more backstory on him where he was just fixing things around the uh, hotel. And she was an adult film actress and uh, they got along very well. And then he was asked to sub in at one point <laughs> where, <laughs> where he starts smiling and he's supposed to be in a dungeon. So Nick Offerman straight up is like, stop smiling, it's a fucking dungeon. <laughs> but like in Nick Offerman style, straight like deadpan. Like so the 21 it, Jump Street. It sounds Street really funny. No, like, well, well, yeah, like 21 Jump Street or and Parks and Recreation. Yeah. Yeah, and then we also meet the Butch Pereno guy, the Mafia Loan Shark, who also produced, I think, Deep Throat. And he gives them $50,000, but under threat to, like, break their legs if they don't pay it back or something. And then the reason that it's called Jane Fonda, that episode, is because um, both Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson, I guess this is where you're supposed to feel the most sympathetic for Tommy Lee, is because you see that he, he is no longer the thing. It's Nirvana now. We're in the 90s. Right. Montley Crue is on a downtrend, and so... He's already been knocked down a little bit, but he still has all this money. He's still married to Pamela Anderson. So Seth Rogen still wants to knock him down even more and release this video. They don't even think about Pamela Anderson when they're doing this. It's all about getting revenge on Tommy Lee for being a dick to mm -hmm. him. I mean, I think that's more what it was in the end. But I think that... But yeah. It. But then her... She, Lily James in this episode, she wants to get this monologue on Baywatch because it's her like last season and she's trying to make that jump into like serious acting and stuff. So the reason it was called Jane Fonda is because her PR team's like, hey, what story do you want to tell? And this was a good scene too, because she's like, well, Jane Fonda went from the girl next door to the sex symbol, to the Oscar winner, to the activist, to the fitness empire person. Right. And she was able to do it all and she didn't have to please anyone. Yeah, and Jane Fonda was like an influence on Pamela Anderson. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm assuming, again, this is all basically based on truth. The bad stuff in this episode is that, again, you don't feel sorry for Rand anymore. You're just seeing the approach of this because uh, they're going to start selling the VCRs of this this tape out there. Right. And at the end, they're almost doing it in a Breaking Bad style where they're conducting their operations in a laundry facility where they're like spinning the tapes and making more of them. <laughs> and so that he can send them out and distribute them. So by the end of the third episode, which is the first three that they release on the same day, they actually haven't released the tape to the public yet. Um, they've made the tapes. They're about to release them. Nick Offerman is doing the headway work with setting up bank accounts in almost every country. And they're they're ready to go. They've set up the site so people can order it. I just don't think they've right. gotten any delivered to them. Yeah, the tape made distributors $77 million in legal states during the first year. So that's how popular it was yeah, when it yeah, yeah, online. Sure. Yeah. But then he says some dumb stuff. Like, he clearly, Rand is not perfect because he... <laughs> He thinks that he can outsmart the government. He thinks that the internet, even at that time, is completely anonymous, which it might feel like that. But even the dark web was shut down in the 2010s. And <laughs> and the idea that he thought that they would get away with this without their story eventually being brought to light, it just is ridiculous. Like, as soon as he, he started selling it online, it was only a matter of time. So I assume the FBI catch him or something. 
However, I was also surprised that they tried to show his personal growth because they were like, okay, he did get married to this Erica lady, but then he's and now... And you recognize who the Erica person was. Yeah, right? from Orange yeah. is the New Black. She was cast late in the series. She was unnecessary. Like, she wasn't bad. She did a fine job, but it felt like a detraction from the rest of the plot. Like, I didn't need her character to really explain what was going on with the tape or the story, you know? Yeah. And then the final revelation is that Pamela Anderson is pregnant. And I, I, at the end of the episode yes yeah okay which i know is timed kind of close to when her sex tape came out originally yeah right no right, yeah again, that... so it, it all follows um and, and my ending thoughts are like this is a good show it's it's i would give it an eight i would watch more episodes of it i'm enjoying it right now and uh it, it was a pleasant surprise i was expecting I was expecting more like an OJ American uh, history or right. whatever. Yeah, no, people have said, people have compared it to American Crime Story. I thought it would be more boring. <laughs> so, so, so it was more entertaining. It was more entertaining because you have this whole side plot heist thing with going on with Rogan. <laughs> and I thought it was just going to be about how these two celebrities really didn't like their thing. And I didn't think I would be in favor of Pamela Anderson too much. She seems, she's always like come across or I've always associated her as like a Kim Kardashian or um, Paris Hilton type. Some people say that she's the one who influenced them. <laughs> yeah, but those are complete party people who have completely endorsed the idea of kind of making themselves into a certain type of image. While her, it feels like it was a more innocent thing. Like she didn't mean to have herself come off that way like she, she didn't put this out on purpose right well other people may have put theirs out on purpose well yeah i know <laughs> and, and uh, that's something that pamela anderson has talked about she she's made it clear this was by far an accident but people have also credited kind of the makeup in this show lily james it took three to four hours to make her look like pamela yeah anderson she 100 pulls it off right and uh it was directed by craig gillespie you might know him because he's directed films like lars and the real girl fright night i tanya so this is kind of like what he, Oddly enough, even though I told you, films, that's funny because they also gave her credit for how much she looked like her character. Right, but it's strange because even though all those three films are different, it's almost like Pam and Tommy kind of fits weirdly into that type of thing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, uh, but for pre-production about the show in 2018, the show was announced with James Franco set to play Tommy Lee. And wow. I don't think I need to really say what happened to that. Um, Wait, really? That's why he got kicked off? Yeah. And then, uh, and then hmm. the show was filmed in Los Angeles, California. I the, think it's better with Sebastian Stan. Yeah, well, it, I don't. Th no I offense seen to James much. Franco and his previous acting and stuff, but I would have, if he played this role, I think I would have only seen him as that because he kind of, it's like he makes the role his own. While this, it feels like he's trying to make. Like well, Sebastian, Sebastian Stan is like it's an it's an odd pick, but I feel like it's a good pick. You know, why is he an odd pick? Because I haven't seen him in anything else but the Bucky thing. <laughs> oh no, I I think he's done a bunch of independent stuff. But yeah, go yeah. Ahead. The show is from Los Angeles, California. The shoot lasted four months, April twenty twenty one to July twenty twenty one. And uh, the creators of the series said the main point of the series is to change the narrative and for people to feel sympathy for Pamela in the show. Mm -hmm. But like again, did she not want it to get made? Yeah. Okay. This is this is where we kind of get into the controversy. Um, I'll start a little bit by saying that the they did speak to Tommy Lee, and after Tommy Lee spoke to Sebastian Stan, he did give his blessing for the show, which is so weird. Cause yeah, he, right. Because I, I read in every place, evil. You. Yeah, he was saying that he, he was, comes across he so bad, <laughs> but he doesn't care. Right. Yeah. And then the producers, like, yep, that happened. <laughs> the producers tried to get in touch with Pamela Anderson. She was never able to. Even Lily James tried to speak to her. Uh, they were not able to do so. And she, Pamela Anderson hasn't said anything thing from herself yet about the show but there is reports from close colleagues and just other people that have worked with her that she does know about the show 
but that she hates that it's being made and did oh. not want this to be made at all. Didn't want it to be public information yeah. or brought back into the limelight. Like it was one thing when she was there, right? To, but she doesn't want to like be doing and, interviews or being asked about right. it. I get that. And there are some fans who are saying like, forget if it's like a good show or not. Forget like anything about that. It's why like, would this you is want like the someone, free Britney type thing? Yeah. Like, why would you want someone to relive kind of trauma that she already had to live with? Kind of like you were talking about, mm-hmm. um, or and, put her kids through it. I hope right. her kids don't. And yeah, you, that makes me sad. The, the, I want to bring up something funny, oh, though. Yeah. So, like, you know how Sebastian Stan, I think he got his start in, like, Gossip Girl or something when he made his first jump. And I think there's a character in that show called Bass, right? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> okay, well, his, his, his character, Tommy Lee's real name is Thomas Lee Bass. So it's funny that... <laughs> I don't know. I just drew that connection there. But go ahead. So so this show shouldn't have been made. Well, yeah. Well, the Washington Post commented on it said, largely male creative team makes you wonder how much they want to make this show about consent without Anderson's consent. But then they went on to say, this is probably the most layered and sympathetic treatment Pamela Anderson has ever gotten from the media. Good. So uh, Ron Tomatoes gave in 83%, uh, 7.6 on IMDb. Uh, fans have basically said, yeah, it's pretty good. Kind of like you were saying, all the elements work. There are some things here and there that a feel pleasant surprise. a little added on. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal said that the show is art imitating life at the same time. It all but revels in bad behavior, especially during the first three episodes. Yeah, again, if anybody hasn't seen the movie Middleman, I think it stars like Luke Wilson or something. But it's it's got a very similar tone, but it also is very almost informative. Because it gives you kind of an understanding of how even that played a role. The making of how people bought and sold things online actually started with stuff like the porn industry. <laughs> which, the, like the credit card algorithm in which people use to encrypt their cards so that you can send information like that over the internet without people stealing it. That was initially through this one person, this crazy guy who was just like, I'm going to code this in one day so that I can like buy and sell porn. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, it's, a good mo- it's a good movie though <laughs> well just for that that's what i remember from it and i was like well that yeah so yeah and also just going back to the jason manzuka scene the main reason why that was in there is because tommy lee's memoir tommy land has it was the weirdest has that scene. part of him as a character in the book so they were trying to kind of pay tribute to that oh okay because it doesn't know it almost like takes away from everything else you're watching everything else is it. like realistic yeah, and then, reality, and then and suddenly but i guess he was on drugs and so that was like the one excuse you can give for that scene. It's it's still episode two is is quite the watch. It's just there's not a lot happening. <laughs> there's just a lot happening. So out of, out of all three episodes, which one would you say? One is, is the best. Three is the second best. Two is the last best. Okay, but you're going to watch the rest of the series. It's eight episodes. Eventually, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's about all I Anything have. Anything I, I really do enjoy watching the 90s references, and I hope to see more of them as they go. Especially the name dropping they do just continually, like Denise Richards. And, and A lot of times. It's, just, it's like things that you wouldn't think about now that are constantly being brought up. And you know that that had a creative team behind it who was really... Like when I saw Radio Shack in the background, I was like, that was that really what their logo even looked like? I don't remember that from the 2000s. Well, you mentioned the Jay Leno thing, but I think a lot of times when people do try to do like references to like the, the Jay 90s, Leno impersonator was just so clearly not. Him. A lot of the times, like I just see them try it, like TV shows or movies try to do it through like commercials. They even have commercials on YouTube, like from the 90s, which is always fun to do. Right, back the compilations. <laughs> yeah. Well, is that it for your information? Yeah, that's about it. All right, well, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye.